Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning workers trusted around children among those arrested in a child porn sting. And Kelly Sadler is out at the White House. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. So I have some good news and some bad news. And it has to deal with the economy. We'll talk about that next. And good Wednesday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 102.5. 11 men are facing more than 600 felony charges after they were busted in an undercover child pornography sting by the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Sheriff Grady Judd says 30-year-old Ricky Vargas Garcia of Davenport worked at a Lego building facility owned by the company that owns Legoland Florida and used his spare time to communicate with preteen girls. He says that he chats online with children. He apparently has talked an 11-year-old little girl into sharing nude photos, or either he shared a nude photo of himself with an 11-year-old child. Vargas Garcia didn't work at the Legoland theme park, but others arrested include a 22-year employee of Disney, a bartender and engineer, and a man who claimed he taught school in the Phoenix area. Some of the victims were as young as two years old. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The White House employee who mocked Republican icon John McCain is out of a job. Communications aide Kelly Sadler no longer works for the Trump administration. Sadler came under fire after saying at a staff meeting that McCain's opposition to a Trump nomination didn't matter because McCain was dying anyway. The 81-year-old senator is undergoing treatment for brain cancer. California Senator Dianne Feinstein is advancing to the general election in November. Voters in Tuesday's Senate primary overwhelmingly cast their ballots for the 84-year-old Democrat who's the oldest member of the Senate. In New Jersey, Democrat Bob Menendez is projected to be his party's nominee for the November Senate race. Menendez spent years fighting corruption charges until they were dropped earlier this year after his trial ended in a hung jury. Out west, hundreds of homes are being consumed by lava on Hawaii's Big Island. A Hawaiian county spokesperson says they don't have an actual count, but they believe that Tuesday could be the most destructive day yet since the Kilauea volcano began erupting over a month ago. Officials have been warning people living in the area to evacuate. Meanwhile, those suffering in Guatemala are getting some much-needed help from Miami-Dade County. Some firefighters that are part of United Badges of Honor are joining with third-wave volunteers to bring relief supplies to the area devastated by a deadly volcanic eruption. Before flying down there yesterday, one woman who's part of the effort told Local 10 News they'll just go as far as they can and help as many as they can. Donations can be made at globalempowermentmission.org. In local news, four days after that hole opened up, a busy Orlando area roadway still remains closed. The Florida Department of Transportation says repair work on State Road 434 in Oviedo will start this morning. FDOT says the construction company has 72 hours to get the hole fixed and reopen the uh, the road. An issue with an old drainage structure running under 434 is blamed for causing the hole to open up just south of Black Hammock. And finally, former NBA star and friend to Kim Jong-un will reportedly be in Singapore next week while President Trump holds a summit with the North Korean leader. Of course he will. Of course. Dennis Rodman (laughs) will apparently arrive a day before the June 12th meeting, but it's not clear what he's planning on doing. 
Rodman has visited the isolated North Korea five times over the years on different occasions, singing Happy Birthday to Kim and presenting (laughs) a copy of Trump's Art of the Deal. Rodman told TMZ he doesn't want to take credit for the current move toward dialogue between the two countries. Oh, man. So (laughs) this is really happening. So was he in? (laughs) This is really happening. Was he invited or did he just show up? Does it matter? <laughs> gonna, not. You have to call him Attaché Rodman from now on. Oh, is that, is that, is that the is? new wrinkle? Yeah. Attaché. Oh. <laughs> oh. Mm, nice. <laughs> so, I mean, will he be at the meetings with Trump and Kim, like the moderator? Is that what's going to happen here? I would not be surprised, honestly. <laughs> I really wouldn't. I really wouldn't be surprised. If nothing else, at least ask. <laughs> okay. You know, Kim Jong-un may even ask him. Well, I'm, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if that's why he's there. It's a trifecta. If Kim asked him to be there. It's a trifecta of crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, WFLA News Time at 6.06. This is a tragic story from Ethiopia where you can read about a pastor killed by a crocodile during a lakeside baptism. You can get the details at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 102.5. Yes, and this is Yaffe filling in for Bud here at the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. Deborah Roberts will be here, of course, giving us the latest news at the top and bottom of every hour. Paul will be producing once again. And Stephanie is screening your calls at 407 916 5,400. So, Paul, have you gotten used to uh, getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning? You know you never get used to it. <laughs> you really don't. Nobody has ever gotten used to it. Pe- people ask me, you know, how I do it, and if I've gotten used to it, and I say, nope. No. I'm doing this for five years now, and I'm still not even, used to it. Even when I was here every day, I wasn't used to it. Okay. You just, it doesn't happen. I got to tell you, I've been doing this for 27 years. You never get used to it. No. No, that's not promising. It's not. Because <laughs> our bodies aren't wired to be awake. 3 a.m., 2 a.m., that's early, man. Yeah. My alarm yeah. goes off at 3.13. My first alarm goes off. Wow. So, so what, I just pointing out the sacrifices we make oh, for everyone. We're here listening. for you, man. <laughs> we're here for you. But you know what? We, uh, we're very lucky to be sitting here at 5 a.m. If that's, that's the worst part of our day. Because now when oh, it's yeah. in the 90s, I mean, you can't, your heart just goes out to roofers, landscapers, yeah, anybody who's got to work outside in this heat. I don't know how they do it. I don't know so either. So I'll take this job. I'll take I'll this job. I'll get up early and not have to worry about being outside in 90 degree heat. It's a good trade. Yeah, Let them do Get that. up early, sit in a comfortable chair, push buttons and talk for a living. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how bad can yeah. it get? Bummer. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Way to put it in perspective, Paul. Uh, all right. So <laughs> speaking of putting things in perspective, I wanted to go over some of the good news dealing in the country right now with the economy, but also the bad news that could eventually hurt the economy. So we'll do that. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFL. And yes, this is Yaffe. If you want to fo- follow me on Twitter, you can at Beyond Reason R. Bud will be back tomorrow. So I was going through different topics and things that I wanted to talk about on today's show. And I, I was looking at different aspects of the U.S. economy. And I noticed that, as most of you have noticed, 
there's a lot of good news out there. Things in the U.S. economy are looking more up and up every day. And I thought it might be a good idea to go over some of the details on how good the economy is. So that's the good news of what's going on. Then I'm going to get into some of the bad news. And when I get into the bad news, it's not necessarily what's happening now. But what will happen if Washington does not get its act together? There was some breaking news yesterday that didn't get a whole lot of attention. It got some attention. We're too busy focusing on Roseanne and the NFL and other things. And there was a big story that didn't get a lot of attention but could really affect us more than anything Roseanne ever said. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But I wanted to start out with some good news because when you look at the economy right now, it's rolling. It's doing well. For instance, in May, the economy added 223,000 jobs. That's over 50,000 more than experts had predicted. The unemployment rate is at 3.8%. That's the lowest in 18 years. Um, the job openings and labor turnouts turnover survey reports that there are 6.6 million unfilled positions. That's the highest level since these data have been compiled, which is why more workers are telling their employers to take the job they have and basically shove it. So you have a lot of people leaving their job to find better paying jobs because the better paying jobs are out there. Um, when you look at the, the rate of workers willing to quit their jobs and search for better jobs, it stood only at 1.3% during the recent recession. It now stands at 2.3%, which is a record high. Um, so that's the job market. The job market looks well. How does the economy overall look? Well, predictions vary, but all agree that the 2.2% GDP growth rate in the first quarter of this year was likely due to some reporting anomaly that has produced low estimates for that time of the year. Analysts at Lazard Asset Management say the economy is well-positioned for further growth. The nonprofit conference board expects the economy to grow at an annual rate of 3.1% this quarter, and macroeconomic advisors is even cheerier, putting its bet on 3.6%. The OECD expects growth for the year as a whole to come to about 3%. So it could be that we're seeing 3% growth very soon, every quarter, or even more than that. Now, hourly wages are also up. They're up 2.7% year over year. And a lot of that has to do with the Trump tax cuts. Now, when you look at business spending, and this all has to do with the Trump tax cuts as well, business spending on plant and equipment has been surprisingly flat, but surveys suggest that plans to up those outlays are about to be executed. The chief financial officers of the nation's listed firms, their wildest dreams of avarice almost satisfied by the 22% year-over-year increase in profits in the first quarter, they expect to increase investment by over 11% during the next 12 months. And industrial output rose in April for the third consecutive month, bringing growth this year to 3.5%. So a lot of of different numbers, a lot of different details there. But basically what you look at is you have 
job growth, incredible job growth, so much job growth that people are leaving their low-paying jobs and trying to get higher-paying jobs and getting higher-paying jobs. You have gross domestic product growth, which is you know really, really doing well. We could be averaging 3% GDP very soon. And then because of the Trump tax cuts, you have businesses getting record profits, and they're saying that they're going to reinvest in their businesses. The tax cuts are working. The deregulation is working. And we have a pro-business president, which works. Another thing that has also been really good is we repealed some of the Dodd-Frank regulations. So that's going to help economic growth as well. In fact, it helped the markets somewhat last week. Even Democrats were on board with that, realizing that Dodd-Frank was just too much. They had to peel back some of that a little bit because what was hurting small banks. So there's a lot of good news out there. So we're all focused on culture wars. And I think part of the reasons we're focused on the culture wars is because the economy is doing well. People have more money in their pockets. So that's the good news. But there is some bad news I'm going to get to that has to do mostly with the fact that government spending is still out of control and we're really not doing anything about it. So we're going to have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So in the last segment of the show, I went over the good news of the, of the economy. There's a lot of job growth. There's a lot of business investment. Um, overall, economic growth is looking good. People are, wages are going up. Everything looks pretty good. But then this headline comes out yesterday. Didn't get a whole lot of attention, but it's pretty important. And I know a lot of you will want to pay attention to this. Here it is from the Wall Street Journal. Social Security expected to dip into its reserves this year. The Social Security program's cost will exceed its income this year for the first time since 1982 forcing the program to dip into its nearly $3 trillion trust fund to cover benefits. This is three years sooner than expected a year ago, partly due to lower economic growth projections, according to the latest annual report the trustees of Social Security and Medicare released Tuesday. The program's income comes from tax revenue and interest from its trust fund. The trust fund, this is the real disturbing part, The trust fund will be depleted in 2034 and Social Security will no longer be able to pay its full scheduled benefits unless Congress takes action to shore up the program's finances. 2034 ain't that far away in the big scheme of things. You know, you you ask a lot of people my age if they expect to ever get Social Security. A lot of them will say uh, no. And this is why. So the report also said that Medicare's hospital insurance fund would be depleted by 2026, three years earlier than anticipated in last year's report. This means, and this is happening because the aging population is boosting costs of Social Security and Medicare. This means... Basically, we're running out of money to pay the entitlements, and we're running out of it pretty quickly. And it's not going to be too long when 
we're going to have to find another way to pay it. So how, how are we going to pay it? Well, you're going to, they're going to increase taxes and they're going to increase the national debt. Those things don't help economic growth. No, they're not good things. I already went over the good things, Paul, though. This isn't the bad news. So you have government spending is completely out of control. In fact, the CBO is projecting that the federal budget deficit and the debt, so the federal debt will be 100% of GDP by 2028. The federal debt, 100% of GDP by 2028. If we don't get this, and by the way, interest rates are going to go up very soon which means we're going to be paying interest on that debt more and more every year. It's going to take more and more of our budget. So you're going to have the interest on the debt taking a lot of our budget already, and then you're not going to have enough in the reserve to pay Social Security and Medicare. So our budget's going to be eaten up by all of those things, and you still have all this other wasteful government spending. And I see no real effort from Congress, including the Republicans, to cut the debt. That was going to be my question. Where are my conservatives? Where are my know. fiscally conservative Republican representatives? There were some. Where who are my fought, Tea Party patriots? There were some who fought in the last, you know, the last spending bill, but it wasn't enough. And it's not good. Now, President Trump is proposing a rescission package to cut spending. That is $15 billion. That's his rescission, $15 billion, which is good, you know, better than nothing. But like the price of a hot dog. <laughs> compared to the debt, compared to government spending, yes, it's like the price of a hot dog. Bud and I talk about this all the time, this national debt and these entitlements, if we don't get our act together on them, it's going to hurt us, and it's going to hurt us a lot. So the economy's doing good right now, but... I mean, enjoy it while it lasts. But you can't fight entitlements when that's your base, man. I know. I know. You that's can't fight entitlements when exactly. that's your base. People, people I, don't want to. People are willing to cut someone else's stuff, but they don't yeah, want to cut their own stuff. And absolutely. It happens on both sides. I mean, this isn't, you know, Trump's fault alone. This no, has been going not. on for a long time. But it's not. It's definitely not his fault. But however, having a Republican president, Republican House, Republican yeah. Senate. I expect something to get done it's, or you don't get to talk about yeah. anything ever again. It's definitely my biggest disappointment out of what Washington is doing right now, even though there's a lot of disappointments coming out of Washington these days. All right, Deborah Roberts is going to come in and talk about the latest news here at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk about those workers that worked around children who were busted in a child porn sting. And two people are arrested for setting off explosives. It's 630 here on Good Morning Orlando. So, Deb, you have a pretty disturbing story for yeah. us about some workers who worked closely with children, and they've been busted in a child porn sting. Yeah, and you can always expect that this comes out of Polk County, but, you know, God bless Grady Judd for, yeah. you know, getting these uh, individuals off the streets. And you're right, Mike, 11 men, in fact, are facing charges in that child porn sting by the Polk County Sheriff's Office. They're victims as young as two years old. Sheriff Grady Judd says one of those suspects, 64-year-old Richard Cousins of Lakeland, was sentenced in Maine to just four years for molesting two boys under 13 and only served a single year in prison. 
Judd raised this question, do you want child molesters voting? I find it terribly interesting that prior to his arrest the other day, there are people in the United States that think we ought to give him his rights back to vote. Don't you want him selecting leaders for our cities, our counties, our state, and the nation? The wording of Amendment 4 on the ballot in November specifically excludes those convicted of sex offenses from automatically getting their voting rights back. That means it wouldn't apply to any of these suspects, including a Disney worker and a man who claims he's a retired school teacher. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. It's a very interesting angle to this because, you know, Bud, he's been a big proponent of allowing former felons to get their voting rights back. As am I. But I haven't heard the angle of, well, you want former pedophiles voting. But that's why yeah. it's important to let everyone know that the wording of Amendment 4, which we'll be voting on in November, specifically excludes individuals like this from being able to make those those choices at the ballot box. Yeah, interesting. Although some people will say they paid their debt to society, too. So, Well, I don't think they should ever get out. Yeah. That, that's, that's the difference. I right. just don't think they should ever get out. Yeah, that's the other issue. You know, uh, here's some more knuckleheads here locally. Mm. Two people are facing charges for setting off explosives in Orange County. It happened yesterday on Beach Boulevard near Baldwin Park and Lake Susanna. One of the suspects was arrested after a five-hour standoff at a house that involved a SWAT team and a bomb squad. Jane Wattrell with the Orange County Sheriff's Office says they surrounded that house where people were making acid bombs outside. We do not believe this is an act of terror or anything like that, but it's just dangerous. Yeah, no one was hurt, thankfully, and a man and a woman are in custody. And lawyers for an accused cop killer will stay on the case, at least for now. Markeith Lloyd yesterday withdrew a motion to have his defense team removed. Those lawyers yesterday went before a judge to get the prosecutor removed from the case for a conflict of interest, and the judge said he'll take up the issue next week. Lloyd is accused of killing his pregnant ex-girlfriend, as well as Orlando Police Lieutenant Deborah Clayton. And you can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Yes, and Gina Cervetti joins us from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. And good morning, Gina. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I'm well. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. And it looks like uh, the markets are doing well also. Yeah, they're not doing too bad this morning in terms of the stock futures and what that indicates for the open this morning means we'll probably see a little bit of a bounce higher here at the opening bell. Um, Investors are looking ahead to the Group of Seven meeting this week that may shed some light on these global trade tensions that we've been seeing that have been driving the market from time to time. Now, we had the broader equity market edging higher yesterday, helped again by tech shares and retail stocks. The S&P added two points, or a tenth of a percent, closing at 27.49. The Nasdaq, with a lot of tech companies, rose 31 to another new closing high of 76.38. The Dow slipped 14 to 24. 4,800. And we had the Bloomberg Orlando index up two tenths percent. Dillard's contributed the most to the advance. As we said, retailers had a good day. All right. Some good news for retailers. We don't hear that too much (laughs) these days. Um, um, So Facebook has been in a lot of controversy because of its data sharing practices. And you have a story on that as well. 
Yes, well, Facebook did have data sharing partnerships with four Chinese device makers, including a company called Huawei, escalating concerns that the social network has consistently failed to tell users how their personal information flows beyond Facebook. Facebook says the deals were designed to help these smartphone makers build custom versions of its app, but Congress has actually barred the Pentagon from buying any gear from Huawei. All right, and uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk, he has survived some activist investor push for changes, and he promises to hit goals. Tell us about that. Well, the annual shareholder meeting was held yesterday, and he said he's confident Tesla will meet the next production goal for that crucial Model 3. That's the one aimed at the masses. The money-losing carmaker has said that its financial forecasts this year are dependent on meeting those targets. Shareholders at the meeting re-elected three directors that were criticized by an activist investor group. So that was a win for the current board. And they also defeated a proposal to require the chairman be an independent director. Right now, Musk holds both the CEO and the chairman jobs. All right. And uh, there's a lot of people, I'm sure, listening right now that do online shopping all the time. And when they purchase online, a lot of times it's delivered by UPS Well, is there a chance those purchases might be stranded? What is that all about? (laughs) Well, UPS workers have authorized the Teamsters Union to call what would be the first strike since 1997. This is coming amid talks to replace a labor contract that expires at the end of July. Now, a UPS spokesman says a strike authorization is common during negotiations to put pressure on the company. The talks here center on pay, work schedules, and benefits as UPS looks to increase warehouse automation to meet the surging demand from e-commerce. All right, Gina, thank you so much. Gina Cervetti reporting from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City, and we will talk to you again, as always, tomorrow. All right, thanks, Mike. So the big story of yesterday's show was the fact that the Supreme Court ruled over um, in favor of the person who refused to make a wedding cake for a gay marriage. Well, that person did an interview with Fox News, and I wanted to go through some of it because he is speaking out now and reacting to the Supreme Court ruling, and we'll do that next. And we have updates on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic every 10 minutes, and we'll get to that in just two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So on yesterday's show, we covered a lot of different aspects of the Supreme Court ruling, a 7-2 decision by the Supreme Court, where they sided with a Christian baker who refused to make a wedding cake for a gay marriage. Now, the baker, as you know, his name is Jack Phillips, and he owns the Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado. Now, yesterday, we didn't really hear too much from him, from Jack Phillips himself. It was mostly his lawyer speaking for him, there was a lot of different reaction to the case. And as you know, what the case decided wasn't wasn't settled that you can always do this, that a Christian Baker could always refuse this kind of service to a gay couple. The reason why the Supreme Court ruled in his favor is they felt that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission did not treat him fairly, that they were too biased, sometimes almost insulting him. And that's why they ruled in favor of the Christian Baker. And so the issue is still out there. The issue still has to be decided. In fact, Justice Kennedy said that himself, that this issue is not decided yet. It will have to be decided in a future case. 
Well, I happened to catch an interview. He was on Outnumbered Overtime with Harris Faulkner on Fox News, and she actually spoke directly to uh, Jack Phillips, and I wanted to play some of the interview with you because he gave his reaction to the case. Now, this first cut here is him reacting to the ruling. This is what he said. I was thrilled with it. Um, this is a, a big win for us. It, uh, now, when you me. say us, who do you mean? For all creative professionals, especially my family and myself. But for all creative professionals, it now gives us uh, a ruling that says that we can go about creating um, our works, our art, without fear of punishment from the government. Okay, so he's saying it's a win for all creative professionals. And technically it is a win, except, like I said before, it doesn't settle the dispute completely. But you can still bank it as a win. So obviously he's happy with the ruling. Now this next cut, um, he was asked if he got everything he wanted out of the ruling. And his answer is actually kind of surprising. Here it is. I think it's a complete win. Um, they, really? they covered everything that we asked the court to look at. Mm-hmm. They didn't deny anything that we asked for. So that, that was kind of surprising because when she asked him that question, she was expecting him to say they were hoping the ruling was going to be more broad. It was going to cover everything. And he didn't say that. He said, we're happy with the ruling completely. We got everything we wanted out of it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I think most people out there on his side are not completely happy with the ruling. They wanted more. They wanted them to go farther. So in this next cut here, he talks about some of the some of the threats he got and the abuse he got, not only from the Civil Rights Commission, but from others in his community just because he refused to make this wedding cake. Here it is. Uh, The Civil Rights Commission, the chairman of the Civil Rights Commission, um, called religious freedom despicable piece of rhetoric. She compared my not making a cake, designing a cake for a a custom cake for a same-sex wedding. She compared that with the Holocaust and with slave owners. Um, we endured death threats then, uh, vile emails, phone calls, threatening, life-threatening things. Just recently I had somebody threaten to come and kill me with a machete. So, and he was obviously a little shooken up by all of that. 407-916-5400, text to 23680. I want to get your reaction to what he says here and your reaction to the ruling. Is the ruling, did it go the way you wanted to? Did it go the way you thought it should have? I also, in a sec, and I'm going to get to his comments, because he was asked exactly what happened that day when he interacted with this gay couple. How did the interaction go down? Well, he answers that question. We'll get to that in a sec. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So we're going through this interview with Jack Phillips, who owns the Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado. We all know about the Supreme Court ruling yesterday. We've been talking about it for the past couple of days. I just played some clips from him in the last segment where he talks about how he's really happy with the Supreme Court ruling. That he was really treated unfairly by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission merely because he did not want to bake a cake, make a custom cake for a gay wedding because it was against his religious beliefs. He believes this is a win for all artists out there. Now, so I want to go over more of this interview. Now, it wasn't just him that did the interview. It was also his lawyer, Kristen Wagner, 
as well, who was um, reacting to the Supreme Court ruling. And let's go ahead and play that next cut. This is what she had to say. I say that Jack serves everyone who walks in his store, all walks of life. He employs people from all walks of life, but he doesn't express all messages and no American should have to. This ruling protects those who are lesbian graphic designers, who are democratic speechwriters. Because the court said that the same rule has to apply to both sides. And it said, particularly with regard to the issue of same-sex marriage, that people on both sides deserve tolerance and respect. And that the Colorado government hasn't given that to Jack. You know, it's a very interesting point she makes that, and one I think a lot of people don't think about, it would have to work both ways. So, for instance, if you had a lesbian person, like she said there, a gay person, they're a graphic designer or something, would you force that graphic designer to make a Christian message? Even though it would be against that, maybe against that person's beliefs? I don't think you should force them. So it would have to work both ways. 407-916-5400. Now, Jack Phillips here, he was asked about that occurrence that day that started all of this mess when this gay couple asked him for the cake. And this is what he says went down that day. Here it is. Um, our conversation was very short. They, we exchanged names, introductions. One of them said, we're here to look at wedding cakes. The other one said, it's for our wedding. At that point, I knew that I, it was a wedding cake that I couldn't create in good conscience. And so I tried to apologize to the young man. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll sell you anything else in the shop. Cookies, brownies, birthday cakes. I'll make custom work for you. This is just a, a cake that I can't create because it creates a special message that goes against the core of my faith. So he does make the point there that, look, it wasn't that I was totally refusing them service. I was willing to make them any other kind of cake. It's just this particular cake, he believes, because it is a wedding cake for a gay wedding, puts forward a particular message that is against his religious beliefs. And according to them, then they, the couple cussed him out, protested the store the next day, called him all kinds of names and everything. I side with him. I don't think he should be forced to make that cake because as a religious person, it would put forward a message and support something that is against your religious beliefs. So I think the court got it right. But as I said before, the court didn't go far enough because really, when you think about it, it's actually a free speech issue more than it is a freedom of religion issue because as an artist he shouldn't be compelled forced to do something now paul paul is producing today since i am hosting both of us we had a conversation before the show and when you heard him recount what happened that day you had an interesting reaction to it yeah it changed my defense of him now i still don't necessarily believe he should be forced to make a cake i don't believe anybody should be forced to you know like you said, it's a free speech issue. Be right. his creative expression shouldn't be forced. However, hearing him say that you know they walked in the store, they said we're looking at cakes for a wedding, and then they said it's our wedding, and he immediately said, "Sorry, I can't do that." 
a lot of people that I heard defending him were defending him as if he was making a birthday cake, as if they wanted some kind of we are gay, we love gay message on the cake. Right. And when you think about a wedding cake, a wedding cake is not like that. A wedding cake is kind of like a sculpture. It's just standing there, you know yeah. what I mean, in whatever form that it is. And so to hear him say, you know, um, I immediately told him I couldn't do that because it was against my belief. To me, that weakens the argument a little bit for artistic expression because they're just really asking you to bake a cake. They're not asking you to create a message on the cake, yeah. even though you feel like the cake might present its own message. Yeah, and that's it. I and that, get that it, was but... his argument. That was his argument that the cake itself is a message right. because it's a cake, a wedding cake for a gay wedding. That means it would be the message. Right. And it's interesting. I I do talk to some Christians who believe that as a Christian, he should still have made the cake, which is really interesting how that happens. It's not a whole lot of Christians, but there are some Christians that I've talked to as well and say, oh, he should he still should have made it. But I, I, I agree with him that he shouldn't be forced right. to do That's it. where I said, I don't believe he should have been forced to make the cake. I don't necessarily agree with him on why he didn't make the cake. However, I do stand with him on if he decides not to make the cake, he has the right to do so. Right. All right. So good conversation there. Deborah Roberts has just walked into the studio. She's going to talk about the latest news. She also has a story on an environmental group calls for water filters in Florida schools. I didn't know there were no water filters. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting is uh, when you hear the doctor talk about what it is that they found in the schools that they're oh, most concerned about. I want to know. And it's you do, <laughs> because it turns out Flint, Michigan, isn't the only place that's, you know, has some serious water issues. Interesting. All right. 701 on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. Wednesday morning here on the 50,000 watt front porch where we update Orlando's news, weather and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud. This is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, workers trusted around children among those arrested in a child porn sting and an environmental group calls for water filters in Florida schools. We'll tell you why in one minute. Trump versus the NFL. Whose side are you on? We'll take your calls and texts next. Happy Hump Day at 7.04 on News Radio 102.5. Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd announces the arrest of 11 men charged with downloading and distributing child porn. He says the suspects range in age from 16 to 84 and include a retired teacher, a Lego builder for Merlin Entertainment, a Disney cast member, and a volunteer with his son's Boy Scout troop. When you think about these folks, you go, well, what kind of people are they really? Well, I've got a lot of adjectives for them. But let me tell you that some of them appear to be, you know, just normal people in life until you know that they're not normal at all. All of the suspects are facing a total of 660 child porn charges as part of the month-long Operation Guardians of Innocence 2. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. According to a published report, fashion icon Kate Spade's apparent suicide note mentioned her daughter, People in Manhattan are offering condolences to Spade's family. The New York Post says Spade urged her 13-year-old daughter, Frances Beatrix Spade, not to blame herself for her death. Police say Spade was found unresponsive inside her Park Avenue apartment Tuesday, having hanged herself from a doorknob with a scarf. Her husband and business partner, Andrew Spade, was apparently home when her body was discovered by a housekeeper. 
The opioid overdose drug naloxone is being recalled by its maker. The FDA says the recall comes after it was discovered that there's a potential for, quote, loose particulate matter to be found on the syringe, which could cause harmful side effects. There have been no reports of anyone being harmed by the matter, but Hospira is asking for a discontinuation of naloxone single-use syringes by retailers and distributors. Meanwhile, a judge in Tallahassee is lifting a stay of her decision allowing Floridians to legally smoke medical marijuana. Late last month, uh, the judge ruled that the state's ban on smokable medical cannabis was unconstitutional. The state appealed and was granted an automatic stay of the ruling. Voters passed a medical marijuana ballot initiative in 2016, but Florida lawmakers prohibited the smoking of the drug. Yesterday's ruling gives the state until June 11th to implement rules authorizing smoking as a legal form of medical marijuana use. An environmental group called Get the Lead Out is asking state lawmakers to pay for water filters at every elementary school and middle school in the Sunshine State. Dr. Ronald Saff says filters are inexpensive and they're the best way to deal with the lead in Florida's water. The lead in our drinking water does not come from the groundwater or aquifer, but from solder and pipes, brass fittings, and the inner lining of galvanized pipes, thousands of which crisscross Florida. Older schools, those built before 1986, pose the highest risk. And it's not just the schools that are at risk. Saf says they found elevated levels of lead in some of the water fountains, even in the state capitol building, also saying they're finding it in a lot of homes around Florida as well. It's not really something you think about when you're taking a sip out of the water fountain, but I guess maybe we should think about it. Yeah, especially with, you know, developing children. Yeah. You know, lead affects anyone, of course, because it's a carcinogen, but especially developing children. Yep. And finally, it's Global Running Day. No, thanks. Yeah, more than 1 million people (laughs) in 187 countries ran more than 8 million miles last year. You can observe it by breaking out your sneakers and going for a run. I'll echo Mike Yaffe. No, thanks. I'll just watch it on TV or something. Seriously. (laughs) The New York Roadrunners, which launched the event in 2015, is celebrating with a special event at the New York City Marathon finish line. It's a birthday party, the club's 60th. Yeah. Shame on both of you. (laughs) Yeah, fine. Shame, shame, shame. That's not the first time I've heard that. Won't be the last. I'm sure. I'm sure you, you're going running after you the show today. disgusting Americans. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I'll run up. He's one of more. us. Yeah, he's one of us. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Come over to the dark side. WFLA News Time at 7.08. Watch as a wild brawl spills out of a funeral home onto New York City streets at 1025wfla.com. Right. Hey, at least it's not Florida. <laughs> the second hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 102.5. Yes, and this is Yappy from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit WaraHasTheBuyers.com. Deborah Roberts here, of course. Paul is producing. And Stephanie, who is probably in better shape than any of us, probably the only one of us who ever runs, <laughs> she's screening your calls hey. at 407 916 
5,400. I run when I, you know, run out of salty snacks and cigarettes. <laughs> you run to the run. running out of. This <laughs> no, and then I will run to the store for more salty snacks and cigarettes. You drive. I'm all about, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you run to the fridge and then run to the car, oh, and that's about it. Uh, run to the couch. What are you talking about? <laughs> all right, so I want to get your reaction to Trump's Celebrate America event yesterday. He held that event instead of having the Philadelphia Eagles there. And a lot of different reaction to this, and you'll get my reaction as well. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. It is 710 here on Good Morning Orlando. So the big story yesterday, as I'm sure you are aware of, was President Trump, first with a tweet basically, but he disinvited the Philadelphia Eagles, who are the Super Bowl champs, to the White House. Instead, Trump decided to hold uh, what he called a Celebration of America event. In fact, Trump spoke at the event, and here is some of what the president had to say yesterday. I want to take this opportunity to explain why young Americans stand for our national anthem. Maybe it's about time that we understood. We stand to honor our military and to honor our country, and to remember the fallen heroes who never made it back home. We stand to show our love for our fellow citizens and our magnificent Constitution. We stand to pay tribute to the incredible Americans who came before us and the heroic sacrifices they made. America is a great nation, a community, a family, And America is our home, and we love our home. All right, so in terms of what he said there, I really have no problem with anything he said there. The biggest problem with all of this is none of the Philadelphia Eagles ever kneeled for the anthem. So to try to make this about kneelers, none none of them kneeled. So it just seems like you're kind of making this a political stunt when you do that. Do you disagree? 407 Nine one six fifty four hundred. Now, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders said this yesterday. Said the White House, despite sensing a lack of good faith, nonetheless attempted to work with the Eagles over the weekend to change the event format that could accommodate a smaller group of players. Unfortunately, the Eagles offered to send only a tiny handful of representatives, while making clear that the great majority of players would not attend the event, despite planning to be in D.C. today. In other words, the vast majority of the Eagles team decided to abandon their fans. Sarah Sanders also went on talking about how what they did was a publicity stunt. Here it is. A political stunt. If this wasn't a political stunt by the Eagles franchise, then they wouldn't have planned to attend the event and then backed out at the last minute. And if it wasn't a political stunt, then they wouldn't have attempted to reschedule the visit uh, when they knew that the president was going to be overseas. And if this wasn't a political stunt, they wouldn't have waited until Monday, well after a thousand of their fans had traveled and taken time out of their schedules to offer only a tiny handful of representatives to attend the event. 407. 916-5400. Nine one six fifty four hundred. You can text a two three six eight zero or standard message and data rates apply. I want your reaction. Did the White House make the right move disinviting them? It appears though that this controversy goes beyond football now, because LeBron James of the NBA, of course, in the NBA Finals right now, 
He also weighed in on the matter at a press conference because he was asked about it. And this is what he said. I mean, I know no matter who wins this series, no one's no one wants to invite anybody. So it won't be Golden State or Cleveland going. So now whoever wins the NBA finals, they will not be going to the White House either, even if they are invited. So now this is beyond the NFL. This is also the NBA. Interesting. 407-916-54. And I want to get your reaction. I'm going to give you my reaction in a sec. I will say this. Conservatives, I've noticed, conservative commentators in the media, Republicans are pretty split on this. There are some who really like what Trump did yesterday, thinks it was absolutely right for him to disinvite the Eagles. And there are some who have a really big problem with what he did yesterday. We'll talk about that and have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So I've heard a lot of different arguments for and against Trump not inviting or disinviting the Eagles because he he basically made it about the national anthem. It was obvious he made it about the national anthem. And that was the biggest problem I had with what Trump did yesterday. I actually don't mind him not in disinviting the Eagles because so many of them were not going to show up anyway. And that's, and that's the biggest problem I have. Even if you don't like Trump, I think you should show up. If you have respect for the office and respect for the presidency and you won the Super Bowl and you're invited, yeah, put your political differences aside just for a day but and the, don't show up. But the problem is so many people have lost respect for the office because of Donald Trump. And they've lost respect for the presidency because of Donald Trump. Well, I mean, that that's an interesting argument. I, I could say the same thing about Obama, but if Obama... You can. But if there Obama, are a lot of guys that didn't show up because of Obama. Yeah, I know. And I didn't like that either because I think we should put those political differences aside because of respect for the office and show up. Otherwise, we should just forget these sports events at the White House to begin with. Right. Which I might be okay with that. I mean, I don't know why we're doing that anyway. But I, I just think even with Obama, if Obama had invited me to the White House, I, there's a lot of things I didn't like that Obama did, but I would have still shown up because I have respect for the office. Now, there's some conservative some conservative commentators who are on the other side of this, including uh, Ben Shapiro. Um, he's a young conservative commentator like myself. He does not like at all what Trump did yesterday. And he said on his podcast yesterday, why? And this is what he said. But here's the problem. If you actually like the national anthem, if you like the idea of unifying American symbols, what you can't do is slander people with regard to how they approach the national anthem by telling lies about them for your own personal grandizement. If you really do respect the national anthem, then you can't say people aren't standing who are standing. You can't do that just out of a fit of personal pique. It's worthless. Not only is it worthless, it's counterproductive. And it shows that the president isn't really all that upset about the national anthem stuff. He's more upset about the fact that the Eagles wouldn't visit the White House and come and see him and pay homage to him. That's a big problem for me. All right. So he's basically upset basically for the same reason I was, that the the reason why Trump said he didn't invite him, implying that it was because of the kneeling for the national anthem, doesn't wash here because those players did not kneel. But I am still on the other side of it as well, where I'm saying... I think the players should have shown up. I don't think that many players should have said, I'm not going. I think out of respect for the office, you should go. Uh, let's take a call here. Let's go to a Tim in Orlando. Tim, what do you think about this? 
Yeah, I think everybody in the NBA and the NFL should be fired because they are not showing any patriotism at all. And they went on a lie to begin with, with Kaepernick or whatever his name is. And I'll never watch another NBA game or NFL game again. They need to leave the country if they don't like it here. They're overpaid crybabies. Okay, all right. A little bit extreme, but there we go. Let's go to uh, Bob in Longwood. Bob, what do you think? Thank you, Michael. Um, Yeah, I I think this shows that Trump got a lot of strength. Because China, Russia, and North Korea, you don't think they're looking at this, this situation here? Actually, Trump has a lot of strength, and he's saying, guess what? You come to you come uh, to my place, and we uh, we handle it the right way. If not, you're out of here. Okay, I'm not sure China or I North don't think Korea they're looking either. <laughs> I don't care about what's going on. With it's the NBA interesting and though. A representative for the team said that the reason there were so many players that weren't coming were for a plethora of things that they had against Trump. It wasn't all police brutality and black players. It was white players. It was people who work in the front offices of the team. It was because of some of the things that he said right. about gender. It was so many reasons that so many of them decided they didn't want to come. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised by that at all. We have become so politically polarized that, that that's what we do now, that we can't put those political differences aside and you're invited by the president of the United States as a sports team to come to celebrate your Super Bowl win and people can't put that aside these days. But I personally think the president, which this is asking a lot of President Trump, because he's never done this before. But I think he should have been the bigger person and hosted the tiny people, tiny amount of people that showed up and and given them the exact same representation that he would have if all 55 players had shown up. Just because he didn't like the optics of only, you know, 12, 25 hiremen were going to show up, showing up, I think he should have been the bigger person. I think he should have shown that he stands above this political division, that he is a president for all sides and all people and and hosted them anyway. Instead of being petty about it and saying, well, if you're not showing up, then I'm going to uninvite you. Like, that's what people do. I'm not coming to your party. Oh, you're not coming to my party? Well, you're not invited (laughs) anyway. I mean, a lot of people are petty in a lot of different situations. I I tend to agree with you. I think if he did just hold the event for the little amount of people that showed up, I think it would have been fine. Although, I don't know, there's a lot of media who would have been out there and said, look how little amount of people showed up. That's and true, but they he would have made a been able to stand it. over that and say, you know what, I welcome them anyway. And anybody who wants to have a conversation with me about the national anthem, about my feelings about it, I welcome you to yeah. come in and sit and talk to. See, and this really brings up a whole nother discussion when it comes to Trump, because there's a lot of different situations where people want him to... Be like you said, be the bigger man, stand over it. But what I hear over and over again from Trump supporters is that they like that he's a fighter. Right. So they're tired of having a president who stands over it, like you said. It's the rest of the country that wants him to do that, not his supporters. You know, over and over again, I hear people just say they like that he's a fighter. So when he does stuff like this, they like it because finally someone is fighting back. So, I mean, really interesting. It's kind of a whole nother discussion there when you're thinking about it, but an interesting debate there. All right, Deborah Roberts is coming in with the latest news. She has that disturbing story about those workers that were arrested in a child porn sting. And a Florida deputy hurls bush beans cans to subdue a suspect. All right, I mean, whatever you got to do. It's 730 on Good Morning Orlando. 
And we have Deborah Roberts in the studio right now who's going to update us on the latest news. Good morning, Deb. Good morning, Mike. We've got a disturbing uh, story out of the Gulf Coast where 11 men are facing more than 600 felony charges after they were busted in an undercover child pornography sting by the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Sheriff Grady Judd says 30-year-old Ricky Vargas Garcia of Davenport worked at a Lego building facility owned by the company that owns Legoland Florida and used his spare time to communicate with preteen girls. He says that he chats online with children. He apparently has talked an 11-year-old little girl into sharing nude photos, or either he shared a nude photo of himself with an 11-year-old child. Vargas Garcia didn't work at the Legoland theme park, but others arrested include a 22-year employee of Disney, a bartender and engineer, and a man who claimed he taught school in the Phoenix area. Some of the victims were as young as two years old. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Ingenuity to the rescue. You might say the hammer-wielding suspect got bushwhacked. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Thanks. The Panama City News Herald reports a Bay County Sheriff's deputy threw two cans of beans and helped subdue a man threatening people with a hammer inside a grocery store. Oh, so he so he was in the grocery store, grabbed the beans probably off the shelf and threw it? <laughs> Hurled them right at the man's head. <laughs> oh, Major Jimmy Sanford says the cans of Bush Extra brown sugar baked beans were an alternative to using deadly force. I mean, those cans are big, though. They're you, big you can, and heavy. You can hurt someone with those yes, things. Yes, you can. Initial reports Thursday said the suspect had a gun. It turned out to be a hammer, but he allegedly attacked three law officers with it. A video obtained by the newspaper shows Sanford hurling the cans at the suspect who was arrested. Authorities say 25-year-old Justin Tyler Stanford is charged with assault with a deadly weapon on an officer and other offenses. Bush beans and a deputy to the rescue. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to start issuing them to all the deputies in town. But... Hey, you never know. <laughs> beans instead of donuts. Holster. Yeah, exactly. A special holster for your bush baked beans. <laughs> hey, have you heard the news? I hop could be changing its name to IHOB. I did see this. I've been seeing the commercials myself and wondering, what are they talking about? Well, Everyone the- is wondering. <laughs> well, the pancake chain, if you're not up to speed on the story, suggested on Twitter Monday that it would change its iconic name next week. The tweet didn't say what the B in IHOB what stood for, but uh, said there would be a big reveal on June 11th, which is actually this Friday. The company, formerly known as the International House of Pancakes, closed about 40 restaurants earlier this year in an effort to acquire small health food chains. What do you think? International House of Bankruptcy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say no. It's probably not that one. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I would would guess breakfast. I would too, but they. International House. Well, the only reason that it doesn't work as breakfast for me is because they don't call themselves International House of Pancakes anymore. No, they. It's kind of like KFC. They're not Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're KFC. And you know, a lot of that's interesting. It started from you know common everyday vernacular with people around saying IHOP. So International House of Pancakes decided not to fight it. Yeah, interesting. By the way, I was incorrect. It's going to be Monday, June eleventh. I had said that was going to be this week. So, um. So, I mean, they serve more than breakfast, though, don't exactly. they? Exactly. Yeah, they have lunch that's and dinner, so it couldn't be breakfast. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know what it could I be. I know one of the suggestions was maybe biscuits. I don't I like Paul's I know suggestion, what it is. International House of Bankruptcy. I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> it's to make us all talk about them. That's yeah, exactly. What it is. <laughs> exactly. Well, it worked. Exactly. Yeah, it did work. It did work. 
And I just tried my first Five Guys burger the other day, Mike Yaffe. <laughs> How did Bring you like it? Well, I loved it. Yeah. Well, I, it was just yeah. the story has me thinking about food. Yeah. And yeah, because, I, well, last week you did a story on Five Guys is the most popular fast food burger. It is. It is America's it's the favorite. the most delicious. And it is. And it's, I said it's my favorite. You can only eat it like once a month, though, or you'll die. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a worthier true. death there never was. <laughs> you know. <laughs> what I really like, too, is that they tell you where the French fries came from, from what yeah, farm cool. and one oh, state. Yeah, uh, from they, which yeah state they cut them right there. In the United that's States, mm-hmm. I think that is so cool to support our, our farmers in America. Did you get the fries Cajun style? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even realize that they did that. I just got reg- I kept everything regular. Although I do have to say that when they call something little. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Next time, throw some A1 on that bad boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, some bad boy on the burger, uh, A1, and some Cajun spice on the French fries. And now comes the requisite complaint that now I'm hungry and Five Guys doesn't open until 11. <laughs> All right. All right, Deb, thank you so much. You're welcome. So we got Sound Judgment coming up next. Sound Judgment, 407 Nine one six fifty four hundred. If you want to, well, we're giving away Beach Boys tickets. So a concert with the Beach Boys. If you want to see them, call right now four zero seven nine one six fifty four hundred for your chance to win the Sound Judgment Prize. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio one zero two five WFLA. And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud here at the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit WaraHasTheBuyers dot com. Um, you can, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Beyond Reason R. And it's time for some fun and games for Sound Judgment. Your chance to win a great prize. And Stephanie is here and she's going to tell us what you can win. That's right, Yaffe. So today we have a pair of tickets to see the Beach Boys at the Dr. Phillips Center on Saturday, March 2nd. Tickets go on sale this Friday, June 8th at 10 a.m. Buy them at Dr. Phillips Center box office or online at drphillipscenter.org. All right. Great. Great prize there. So. We've been talking about the controversy of Trump disinviting the Philadelphia Eagles to the White House yesterday. Believe it or not, the first Super Bowl team to ever visit the White House was the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know, Paul, you're you're a giant Steelers fan. <laughs> He's a Ravens fan, that's why. I want you to listen to some sound of Trump yesterday at the Celebrate America event where he did this instead of inviting the Eagles. And then I want you to use your sound judgment to tell me who was president when the first Super Bowl team ever visited the White House. When that first, the first time a Super Bowl team ever visited the White House. Here's Trump yesterday. We stand to pay tribute to the incredible Americans who came before us and the heroic sacrifices they made. America is a great nation, a community, a family, and America is our home, and we love our home. So that was Trump yesterday, but the question for today is, the Pittsburgh Steelers were the first Super Bowl team to ever visit the White House. Who was president when that team visited the White House? Who was president? Let's go to line three. Line three, who was president when that first that first time the Super Bowl winner ever visited the White House. Hello, are you there? Guess not. Uh, let's go to line four. Line four, who was president the first time a Super Bowl winner ever visited the White House? 
Nope. Nope. All right, let's go to uh, the toll-free line. Toll-free. Who was president the first time a Super Bowl team ever visited the White House? No? I didn't think this question was that hard. All right, line one, line one. Who was president the first time a Super Bowl team ever visited the White House? Johnson? Nope. Not, Not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. A little bit after Johnson. All right, line two. Who... Who was president the first time a Super Bowl team ever visited the White House? Uh, Richard Nixon. No, not a bad guess either, but a little bit after that. Let's go to line three. Line three, who was president the first time a Super Bowl team ever visited the White House? That was Ronald Reagan. Nope, nope, I'm sorry. Very, You're all pretty close, actually, but that's not right. Let's go to... Line four, line four, who was president the first time a Super Bowl team ever visited the White House? Line four. That's right. Jimmy Carter. You there? Yes, I'm here. All right, you got got it right. Yeah, it was Jimmy Carter. It happened in 1980. Not only did the Pittsburgh Steelers visit the White House that year, but the Pittsburgh Pirates, the baseball team, also visited the the White House that year, and that was the first time a Super Bowl winner had ever done it, and it became a tradition every year after that. Was a that. bad year for America. So, <laughs> <laughs> the Ravens weren't even around back then, Paul. All right, so uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from today? Ed from Winter Haven. Ed from Winter Haven. You excited about the Beach Boys tickets? <laughs> of course. All right. All right. I'll put you on hold, and Stephanie will tell you how you can get those tickets, and congratulations on that. Another happy contest winner on So there you go. Paul got through it. He didn't like mention any mention of the Steelers, but... <laughs> All right, so we have the Rush Morning Update, and we uh, have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. And welcome back to the 50,000-watt front porch here at the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. This is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back tomorrow, and then I'll be in the producer chair as well. So one of the big stories last week, of course, was the whole controversy surrounding Roseanne. We all remember Roseanne putting out that racist tweet against Valerie Jarrett. Well, Roseanne put out a what they're calling a cryptic tweet yesterday says this says I'm making restitution for the pain I have caused. Not a whole lot to that tweet, but there's been a lot of speculation surrounding it, including the idea as entertainment weekly reported last week that talks have continued over whether ABC should salvage parts of Roseanne without having to say goodbye to some of the best actors on television, you know, all the other actors on the show. And I find this interesting because I have no idea how this would be possible. Is it possible to bring back the show without Roseanne? I mean, she... What are you going to call it? The show. <laughs> I, that, that was my first thought. I'm like, okay, so yeah, it would have to be a spinoff of Roseanne. Right. They would have to call it something else. What would you call it? I don't know. I I really can't think of anything. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I don't know how they make that work. I will say it was interesting when the whole Roseanne phenomenon happened to begin with because, honestly, the reboot was not that great. It was okay. 
I'm glad you said it and I didn't have to say it. Because, well, and I'm not even talking about, I know a lot of people liked it. One, because of nostalgia. 90s right. nostalgia is in right now. You it's bring so back, in. Oh my God, go to the movie theater. Show, you bring back a show from the 90s and it is, it, it's going to do well. But They're the bringing other reason, back Murphy Brown, for goodness sake. Yeah. I mean, come on. So the nostalgia is in right now. That's, another, that's one reason why it's successful. I think another reason was the idea of having a pro-Trump main character was appealing to a lot of people. But when I was watching the show, I noticed that the acting was not that good. Did anyone else notice that? I mean, John Goodman was good because he's continued acting since the show has been canceled. And there was a couple other people you could tell had continued acting, but some of the other characters you could tell they haven't acted in a long time. And it, it <laughs> to me anyways, it was pretty noticeable. I've been saying for a while that if you really want a show that has a conservative character and does the conservative character right and also has a good message that even though we have political differences, we can come together and get along as a family, that show was Last Man Standing. So, And they're bringing back Last Man Standing, which is great news. I've talked about that on the show before. It's coming to Fox, and I think that's a good move. But I remember when Roseanne came out, it was a big deal that this was a pro-Trump character. And I said, a real conservative character who was actually a conservative, Roseanne's you know, pretty liberal, just supports Trump. We had a show like that, and it was good, and it was funny, and it was Last Man Standing. It was a great show. I love yeah. that show. Yeah, so the fact that everyone was making a big deal about this person being pro-Trump. And Roseanne wasn't a very pro-Trump show if you watched it. The Not one, at all. The first show... Had right. a little bit, and then they went away from it. Yeah. So I'm curious how Last Man Standing is going to do now that it's coming to Fox. But I, I thought from the beginning, I couldn't believe they canceled it. And I'm like, this is the show. If you want a show that shows different points of view, but at the end they get along as a family, Last Man Standing was that show. So it should be pretty interesting. I don't know how they could possibly bring back Roseanne without – Roseanne. <laughs> it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. All right. In the next half hour, we're going to talk with uh, economist Stephen Moore. He has a new piece on the disaster of Obamacare. I also want to talk to him about uh, gas prices going up and what he thinks we should do in terms to bring them back down. So we'll talk about that in the next half hour. And Deborah Roberts, of course, is just about to walk into the studio and she has the latest news for us as well. It's 759 on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. Here are the 50,000 watt front porch where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, of course, on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning workers trusted around children among those arrested in a child porn sting. And Florida Senator Marco Rubio weighs in on the North Korea summit. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. So, Obamacare has not had a whole lot of attention recently. But we're going to talk with economist Stephen Moore, who says we should still hate it. That's coming up next. And good Wednesday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 102.5. Nearly a dozen men are facing child porn charges in Polk County as part of the Operation Guardians of Innocence 2. Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd says detectives spent the past month serving search warrants and finding hundreds of videos and images of child porn on the suspect's computers. These are deviant thinking human beings. Oops, did I call them a human being? I don't know what they are. They're deviants. They're dangerous. 
Judd says uh, those arrested include a bartender who also helps with his son's Boy Scout troop, a retired teacher, a Lego builder, and a Disney cast member. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Will President Trump make history in Singapore June 12th? Florida GOP Senator Marco Rubio says we should keep our expectations low as the president prepares to sit down with Kim Jong-un. Rubio says anything really substantive will take time. This will turn into a China, U.S., South Korea, North Korea talks uh, of some. This will take to have a good deal with North Korea is going to take a little bit of time. I think the important thing for us is we should not be lifting any sanctions or providing any relief until we see a clear path forward on complete and irreversible denuclearization and getting rid of the missiles. President Trump confirmed the summit is back on after meeting for about an hour with a top North Korean official in the Oval Office. I've noticed that Trump himself has been saying it's going to be a process. It's going to take time, which of course it is. There's it, no way. Exactly. It could just happen overnight. And, and this will be the first time a sitting president has sat down with the leader of North right. Korea. So there's there's a lot of work to be done. Yep. The Federal Commission on School Safety will ignore guns when it looks into keeping students safe. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos told a Senate hearing yesterday that guns aren't part of the commission's charge. The commission was formed after the February 14th shooting that killed 17 people at South Florida's Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. DeVos says the commission will report its findings by the end of the year. Meanwhile, new evidence in the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting shows school officials were well aware of the threat Nicholas Cruz posed. An interview between Broward County deputies and school monitor Andrew Medina was just released. In the interview, Medina tells detectives he met with school officials last year to discuss the possibility that Cruz could be a school shooter. CBS 4 News reports Medina also told detectives if there was anyone who would do such a thing, he knew it would be Cruz. It, it's just I know. so frustrating how many red flags there were in this In this case. And you, of course, can imagine how some of the parents are feeling. The father of a Marjorie Stoneman Douglas victim says just two words from that school monitor could have prevented the mass shooting. Andrew Pollack uh, talked yesterday about that new evidence in the case that shows campus monitor Andrew Medina was the first person to spot Nicholas Cruz arrive on campus. Pollack says Medina uh, knew Cruz again posed a threat, but Medina never said the words code red. That would have alerted anyone uh, and everyone to take action. Pollock tells the South Florida Sun-Sentinel he wants Medina fired, and I think that's the least of it. Yeah. I mean, if he talked with school officials last year about the possibility of Cruz becoming a school shooter, and then he sees him on the campus knowing he wasn't supposed to be on the campus, why, why, why did he not say Code Red? It's just over and over again we hear about how it was not surprising that Cruz did this. And yet. And yet it still happened. And yet it still happened. Yeah. You know. All right. Finally, for some good news in the Sunshine State. Turns out Florida is celebrating yet another tourism record. Governor Rick Scott announced yesterday that the Sunshine State welcomed 33.2 million visitors in the first quarter of 2018. That's the largest quarter for visitation in Florida history and an increase of nearly 7.5% over the same period last year. There was a similar increase in passenger traffic at Florida's airports in the first quarter, and Orlando International Airport led the way with nearly 6 million passengers. Yeah. They're, they're going to have to do something with that airport <laughs> to, fill all, <laughs> to fill all these people because it's not big enough. <laughs> and the numbers just keep growing.
I mean, I know they're opening that new uh, terminal. Yes. Did they already open that? or? It's not open yet, but have you seen? Oh, my goodness. It's going to be beautiful. Is it? Yeah. What I hope is that they use that as an opportunity to shut down some of the other wings and redo them. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, a good move idea. Move some of the traffic over to the new terminal, and then maybe in Terminal A, gates 1 through 12, just shut that down, refurbish the whole thing, bring them back, and kind of that's how they do their refurbishment. Because it's an old... It's an old brown airport. <laughs> You've right. obviously never been to Austin Straubel Airfield in oh, Green I've Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> I've heard. Okay, well, that tells you everything if you've heard about it. You've never <laughs> been there. <laughs> what they do need more of at OIA is uh, immigration agents because if anything's going to really affect travel into Central Florida, it's the long, long wait visitors have to go through because uh-huh. we just don't have enough uh, customs. That's and- really interesting. I hadn't even thought of that, but you're exactly right. You yeah. need them here, if anywhere. We need them here more than anywhere else yeah. in the state, and it's really affecting passengers' willingness to want to come back to Orlando. Makes sense. WFLA News Time, it's 8.09, and you can read about a pastor, this is over in Ethiopia, killed by a crocodile during a lakeside baptism. You can get the details at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. Yes, and next we're going to talk with economist Stephen Moore. He has a new piece out in the Washington Times that says eight reasons to still hate Obamacare. We're going to get to that. Deb has a word here in just a moment. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Well, it wasn't too long ago when the Republicans in Congress and President Trump tried to repeal Obamacare and they were ultimately unsuccessful, although Trump has been tweeting recently about the fact that it's basically repealed because we no longer have the individual mandate. But there are still many reasons to hate Obamacare. And our friend, economist Stephen Moore, who is with the Heritage Foundation and Freedom Works, has a piece in the Washington Times that says eight reasons to still hate Obamacare. So we're going to welcome uh, Steve to the show. Steve, how are you this morning? Hi, good morning. I'm doing very well. How about you? Doing pretty good. So, yeah, I caught your piece about, you know, hating Obamacare. So tell us, why should we still hate it? Well, look, Obamacare is still a disaster. In fact, it's the the costs of the insurance are going up now even more than before. We've seen, um, you know, a doubling of the premiums since the um, since Obamacare was originally uh, enacted. And, and let's not forget that this was a plan that was supposed to save the average American family about $2,500 a year, and now we're seeing families paying, you know, $2,500, $3,000 more a year, and and so it's it's become, you know, as I said in my piece, um, this idea that somehow that the, the kinks have been worked out is false. The, the truth is, people are paying more and more for their health insurance. The costs have not stabilized, and um, you know, it needs to be repealed. We need to move towards a system of competition and choice. Uh, for consumers, and and you've got a system now where the uh, you know some some people are seeing you know um, their premiums go up by another like six hundred seven hundred dollars this year, and for a family of four, that's a that's a big cost. You know, earlier in the show, I talked about how um, Social Security is starting to dip into their trust fund this year, so that's one yeah. entitlement that is yeah. <laughs> already out of control. But you you talk about in your piece as well that Obamacare 
is is another entitlement and is driving up entitlement spending even more. Well, that's a great point. You know, we knew that the entitlement, uh, you know, all these entitlements were like a uh, Titanic headed to the iceberg. And so what did we do? We created another entitlement that we can't afford. And, you know, we've got uh, now, as you said, Social Security is now actually dipping into its reserves uh, as the baby boomers start retiring. And that problem is going to get worse and worse. And then the same thing with Medicare. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but we've we've added under uh, Obamacare about 18 to 20 million more Americans to the uh, Medicaid role. So yeah. now something like close to 80 million Americans on Medicaid, uh, which, by the way, is a lousy health plan, very expensive to taxpayers. And, uh, you know, when you've got a, a trillion-dollar-a-year deficits and a $20 trillion national debt, you wonder whether you can afford that. So, you know, what, what I advocate is, is let's repeal Obamacare in, t- in its entirety and let people buy, you know, cheaper plans, you know, and and you can subsidize people to buy the cheaper plans. The big problem with Obamacare is it requires everybody to buy a gold-plated plan with, you know, dozens of required services paid for, and especially for young people, you know, that are listening to the show. If you're under the age of 40, you really get screwed by Obamacare because you have to pay, you know, like I think of my kids, I have two kids that are in their mid-20s. They have to pay, you know, to double for what they would have to pay in the free market for health care to pay for all these subsidies to other people. And, and that's not the way health insurance should work. You know, in your piece as well, you talk about how there are still millions of Americans that are still uninsured. I thought Obamacare yeah, was supposed to solve that problem. Thing. You know, we've spent all this money, you know, a trillion dollar new entitlement. And yet we still are going to have, within you know five or six years, we're still going to have about 30 million people still uninsured. So it hasn't even achieved its major goal, which is to get people covered. And look, I'm in favor of that. I think you know it's a good thing for people to have health insurance, but we should provide people with health insurance they can afford. Um, if you're a young person, 20, you know, in your 20s, you could buy a medical savings account with a catastrophic coverage. It would cost you 200 bucks a month, you know, and instead these young people have to pay 500 bucks a month right. for a plan that, that, that uh, requires them to pay for services they don't want. So, um, you know, look, we should allow people to buy insurance across state lines. You're there in Florida. It, you know, you have pretty good rates there, but if you wanted to buy a cheaper plan in a state like, you know, North Carolina or in Utah, why shouldn't be able to, people be able to buy insurance across state lines? And that way you lower costs. Look, we know from every other industry, that the things that really reduce costs and improve services are competition and choice. And under Obamacare, you don't have either of those things. Did you know there's over half of the counties in America today only have zero or one Obamacare insurance company? (laughs) That's not a lot of choice. Yeah, and they, and they they sold it as there was going to be more choices, but people like you and I were warning at the time it's not going to work. So um, we got to take a break here, but I I want to I also wanted to get your take on um, gas prices going up because you co-wrote a book called Fueling Freedom yep. about how we could you know lower oil prices and get be yeah. strong in the energy sector so, uh, let as me, well. Let me take a quick swing at that because I wrote a book called The Fueling Freedom about this whole shale oil and gas revolution. So the good news is that this, last month the United States of America, this great country of ours, we produced more oil than Saudi Arabia did. Did you know that? That's a pretty amazing statistic. The first time in 40 years the United States produced more oil than Saudi Arabia, and that's because of the shale revolution that's going on in, in 
states like Texas and Oklahoma and North Dakota. Now we're drilling up in Alaska thanks to uh, this new rule that allows us to drill up in Anwar. So that's all good news. The problem is the Saudis have been reducing their supply to try to drive up the world price. Right. And, you know, for Democrats like Chuck Schumer to say, oh, Donald Trump is causing these high gas prices, I mean, that's, that's complete nonsense. The, 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 the way yeah. you want to reduce gas prices by having America produce as much oil and gas as we possibly can, and yet the liberals, I've, you know, I've followed this issue for the last 10 years. They've tried to stop the shale oil and gas revolution. They're against fracking. Up in upstate New York, the, the, uh, the, the liberals in, in New York have, have outlawed drilling where you're part of the Marcella Shale up there. So we should be producing our own oil and gas as a way to drive down world prices and also to make us less dependent on countries, frankly, that are funding the terrorists who are trying to kill us. Yeah, and, and Trump has been proposing that we drill for more oil, right? The Trump well, administration? Look, I, I predict to you that we're going to see the, the gas prices have stabilized now. And I think as we continue to produce more and more of the shale, you know, I was out down in Texas at the Permian Basin, which is the biggest oil reserve in the world today. I mean, they're producing so much oil there. Well, I believe we're going to start to see those prices of oil and, you know, and the prices at the pump fall for American consumers. So I think this is a temporary blip. I don't think it's a permanent situation. Gotcha. All right. Economist Stephen Moore with the Heritage Foundation and Freedom Works. I appreciate you coming on with us today. Thank you. All right, and we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back tomorrow. It was good talking to uh, Stephen Moore with the Heritage Foundation. A great piece, Eight uh, Reasons to Still Hate Obamacare. You can find that in the Washington Times. Interesting that Dennis Rodman is going to be in Singapore. You know, Paul, I haven't really asked you, though. Why is that so interesting to you? If Kim Kardashian can talk about <laughs> prison reform, yeah. why can't Dennis Rodman be at the Singapore summit? Like, come on, don't you understand <laughs> the administration right? that we have in the White House right now? Yeah, well, I mean, this has nothing to do with the administration. This is just Dennis Rodman, but yeah. You're... Who do you think authorized him to go? <laughs> he can't be there without their authorization. Can he? He can go to Singapore without their authorization. He can go to Singapore, but the idea that he's going to go to Singapore to speak on behalf of the country and get things ready and all that kind of stuff, if they didn't want him there, uh, trust me, they'd shut him down. Interesting. I mean, Obama had celebrities in the White House, too, but it's it's very... So what do you think is going to come out of this summit? Nothing. Nothing? Absolutely nothing. So you don't think it's possible we could get a good deal out of this? No way. I Not mean, because a, a lot of people even, are skeptical. Even Trump has walked. Even Trump walked it back. The expectations to say, you know, we're not going to, we're not, we're here just to start the conversation. When before we were supposed to walk out with, you know, denuclearization forever and ever and ever, and you know, a half st- sh- share or stake in New- North yeah. Korea. It's not happening. I mean, interesting. I, I think it's. I think it's going to be as people say. It is going to be historic. But I don't think it's going to be historic on the magnitude of, oh, my God, look at what this great thing that we got out well, of the summit. You, I think it's going to be historic just because it's never happened But do you think before. it's possible that we could start a process towards denuclearization? No. Really? So you're still skeptical. I mean, I don't think a lot North of people Korea on both wants sides that. Are. I don't think North Korea wants that. Yeah. I think there's a lot more. I'm not more, so sure. I think it's possible. I don't think so. I think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that North Korea does want. But I think a lot of people are taking out of consideration China. 
Yeah, well, China doesn't want it. They don't want that at all. And there's and people in North Korea. Even if Kim Jong-un wants it, there's still people in North Korea exactly. that don't want it. So exactly. that's that's the real issue, is even if Kim Jong-un wants it, which he might want it because he wants to be liked, there are still hardliners in his country who don't want it. There's still China doesn't want it. It's a very interesting yeah. thing. But maybe Dennis Rodman will hey, come listen, in if and anybody fix can do everything. It, he can. If anybody can do it, he can. <laughs> if he can... How many rebounds a game the, did he average or whatever? Listen, if he can do that. That's what he is. He's the cleanup man. <laughs> he takes care of problems. All right. Deborah Roberts is uh, in the studio. She's going to talk about the latest news. It's 830 on Good Morning Orlando. All right, Deborah Roberts, welcome back. Thank you. I know you have a lot of important news for us, including the fact that a man burns his wife's car after an argument about his driving. Taking things to an extreme, but I'm pretty sure he got his point across. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. So you're going to have that story in a sec, but you also have this disturbing story about this uh, child porn sting that happened in Polk County. Yeah, where 11 men are now facing more than 600 felony charges after they were busted in an undercover child pornography sting. Sheriff Grady Judd says the suspects nabbed in Operation Guardians of Innocence 2 range in age from 16 to 84. They include a retired school teacher, a Lego builder, a Disney employee, and a volunteer with the Sun's Boy Scout troop. Judd says some of the victims were as young as two years old. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Now from the marital bliss file <laughs> comes the story of a Welsh man who will be spending the next eight months in prison after he set his wife's car on fire following an argument over his driving. Joshua Miller and his wife Sarah were driving home when she told him to slow down. He refused, and she demanded to be let out of the car. So Joshua left her on the side of the road without a phone or any money. Nice guy. He then drove the car a little further before parking it with the intention of destroying it. A person walking by with their dog heard him revving the engine and could, quote, smell the clutch burning, end quote. The car then burst into flames, totaling the vehicle and leaving Sarah without a way to take her two young children to school. Guess what? She said since the incident, she's filed for divorce. No. (laughs) Shocker. Yeah. Miller uh, pleaded guilty to one charge of arson and driving without a full license or insurance. He was sentenced to eight months in jail and will be banned from driving for 10 months and one day. I mean, nobody likes a backseat driver, but... But, I mean, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Relax. I know. Relax. Not that big of a deal here. Uh, Finally, a New York man is suing CVS after a pharmacist revealed his prescription for the male impotence drug Viagra to his wife. According to the New York Post... it's not what it's... Long Island resident Michael Feinberg told the pharmacist he would pay out of pocket for the pills instead of putting it on his insurance. When Feinberg's wife called up CVS to discuss another prescription for herself, the pharmacist brought up her husband's Viagra script, something she was totally unaware of. My bad. (laughs) Feinberg contends that the pharmacist's lack of discretion led to the breakdown of his marriage, causing, quote, genuine severe mental injury and emotional harm to him. The court papers do not explain why the marriage broke down over the revelation. Maybe it was the place he was using the prescription. That's what I'm guessing. The the wife doesn't know you have Viagra and you have Viagra. Yeah, Yeah, there's going to be some problems. The lawsuit accuses CVS of negligence and Feinberg is seeking unspecified damages over the incident. In a statement, a CVS spokesman told The Post that the pharmacy chain places, quote, the highest priority on protecting the privacies 
uh, privacy of those we serve, end quote. It's why those HIPAA He's, rules. No no stories about happy marriages today? Just no. marriages <laughs> breaking apart. <laughs> you're, not, you're not making me want to get married one day. <laughs> you already want to anyway. <laughs> just, you know, if you have an argument about your driving, just slow down. <laughs> okay. And be honest about your scripts. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe and, we'll ask attorney Jeff Kaufman about that. Yeah, I was about to say Jeff Kaufman is here. He's going to do his legal brief segment with you, and uh, you're taking text on people's legal questions. So yeah. we're going to do that next, right? Yeah, we are. we got uh, several already that have texted in to 23680. Go ahead and send your question in. And as soon as Jeff comes in with legal briefs, we'll go ahead and tackle those subjects. All right. Sounds good. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Wednesday morning at 840 mean it's time for Legal Briefs with attorney Jeff Kaufman, nationally recognized the only personal injury attorney who is licensed in 18 states. Good Wednesday morning, Jeff. How you doing? That's a fantastic morning. I'm doing back-to-back shows with you, Deb. Uh, yeah, you know, that's right. It's like right. Christmas. It is. It is like Christmas. And because of that, we got a lot of gifts of text from listeners. Plus, I wanted to get your take on a story I had just done. Uh, it was more tongue-in-cheek and fun. But there's definitely some legal ramifications to that. First, let's go ahead and get to the texter's question. I uh, saw this actually yesterday when you had come in to talk about the Supreme Court decision about the Colorado baker and the same-sex wedding cake. Uh, folks already texting in their questions for this morning's legal brief segment. Can a non-custodial parent prohibit a child from speaking with a step-parent that the child lives with? No. No. Okay, what happens is this is divorce is ugly. Yes. And uh, even when there's not divorce and you're sharing children, it's ugly. Uh, normally what happens is a judge will define what can happen, what can't happen. Oh, I don't like this or I don't like that. Unless it's detrimental to the child and the judge will find it that way, you know, you, you basically have to put up with it. So you in know, other d- words, if, if this parent doesn't get along with the step parent, they don't like each other, they don't see eye to eye, but that step parent is not detrimental to the child's well-being the parent has no legal recourse over not liking Nothing this at person. All. And uh, you really have to go and you got to make decisions on what kind of relationships you want to have. You're thinking short term. You're thinking, well, I'm upset now. What's going to happen five years from now if they're still married or 10 years from now? And you have to go to college graduations. And you have to go to weddings. You know, you've got to cut if this might not be an anger situation, but I, I've seen people angry at each other for 10, 20, 30 years. You got to get over it. I mean, that's that's the problem with divorce. You know, everyone wants to get that last bit in. You know, you got to learn how to walk it off. All right. The next question we have. Can you sue someone for their dog or cat leaving behind poo or pee without cleaning it up in your yard? So if you know this neighbor is constantly letting their dog go. The the state versus, uh, you know, bow wow poo case. Right. No, we're not. We're not doing that. Okay, the reason why we don't do stuff like that is because you got to be a little serious about this. You got to have real damages. I mean, was your lawn completely blown away and it cost you $5,000 because this dog had toxic poo and it got into the water system and everything else like that? You're, you're talking you're talking about it's a trespass, okay? So you can I mean, if you want to call the police, you can um you know, sometimes you just have a really crappy neighbor literally. And you're going to have to you're going to have to put up with that. All right. Well, listen, we just did this story again as more of a tongue in cheek story, but it does have some very serious repercussions. And that is the story um, about a New York man who was suing CVS because the pharmacist apparently revealed his prescription for Viagra to his wife, who was completely unaware that he was getting a Viagra prescription. His lawsuit says that uh, the pharmacist's lack of discretion led to the breakdown of his marriage. 
causing genuine severe mental injury and emotional harm to him. Again, even though I did this story as tongue in cheek, what's your take? As it's an interesting you use the word tongue in cheek when you're talking about Viagra. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think when it comes down to it, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, it's a privacy issue and it's a medical issue and he should not have done it. Now, you have to show that but for this happening, this is a test. Was the person who was actually cheating responsible for this happening too? He can't. It's going to be, uh, how can I say it? It's going to be a contributory negligence case because this guy was partially responsible. He's not getting divorced solely because they told him about the virus. He's getting divorced because his wife caught him cheating. Right. Okay. Right. You were cheating. So is the jury going to feel bad for you? Uh, I guarantee unless you load that jury up with a bunch of men, <laughs> if it's 50-50 women, you're not getting paid, dude. No. Now, what about it, the fact that it's a straight-up HIPAA violation? That That's an issue. And your damages will be, oh, well, um, I, I got divorced because my wife caught me cheating. Uh, uh, this is different than your typical HIPAA violation where these are your medical records and they're sacred. And, you know, revealing a condition you had, let's say cancer or something else like that, you might have lost a job. In this case, the guy was cheating on his wife. And he got caught. And he got caught. And they, they're the reason he got caught. In the end, you have this weird triangle of what's going on, and you can go in front of a jury. I wouldn't want to take this case in front of a jury because you're going to say your client's sitting there. Well, uh, he was so good at cheating that he never would have gotten caught. If the pharmacist, yeah. I think, yeah, I don't want to sell that to a female jury, but, yeah. but you go ahead. Knock yourself out. It's called karma. It's not that they're not wrong, and you do have a case, but you know the truth is, come on, dude. Walk it off. <laughs> That's attorney Jeff Kaufman, yeah. who's something really cool on his website for free for everyone and anyone who is listening to your voice right now. And what is that? It's at when you need us.com and we give free wills as a personal injury attorney. I get cases all the time where people have died and the family's fighting and it's really ugly. And this is for anybody. I've said this before. It is your responsibility to at a minimum to take care of one thing, to make sure that when you leave this planet, that everybody knows what your intentions are so that people are not fighting for years. I mean, I just dealt with this uh, earlier today where uh, somebody's grandmother passed and the grandfather took all the money and left, basically left her body in the morgue. And if you, you really have to put down how you want your assets taken care of because this family is now sitting there, you know, dealing with, and they're going to deal with this for years because they don't have the money and they're going to have to figure out what kind of government agency to go to. And it, it is absolutely no fun. So please take care of your business, people. And save save your family the heartbreak. Oh, Tell yeah. them again. And it's the... free. It's at whenyouneedus.com. It is a bare bones will and power of attorney and living will. It is the bare bones of what you need. Now, if you need something more, we'll put you in the right direction. But, you know, at a minimum, you should have this. This is the all these documents are directly from the Florida Bar, and we put them on our website to download for free. So whenyouneedus.com. Attorney Jeff Kaufman, the only personal injury attorney licensed in 18 states. Thank you once again for taking time out of your extremely busy day to join us here on oh, the 50,000-watt front porch. It's always a pleasure, Jeff. <laughs> and I love uh, your your turn of phrase, toxic poo. We'll just leave yes. it at that. Mike Yaffe will be right back to uh, lead the rest of Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. So according to the Orlando Sentinel... And this might upset a lot of you who like to shop at the mall, even though not as many people shop at malls these days. But according to the Orlando Sentinel, two premium outlet malls in Orlando are converting hundreds of their parking spots to paid parking. 
Yeah, the owners of the Orlando's two premium outlet malls have converted hundreds of parking into premium paid parking spots, creating even more competition for free parking. So their premium parking, they're going to charge $10. Um, yeah, $10 for the premium parking. Now, if you've ever been to those outlet malls, I have to say, I I would totally be willing sometimes to pay for parking. I know a lot of people are going to be really upset at this. Why would I want to pay for parking? This is taking up more of the free parking spaces. But that's economics for you. Because if you've been to those malls in peak times, on the weekends or during shopping season, especially around Christmas, it is crazy. It is ridiculous. And you know what might ease some of that trouble for you? Be willing to pay for it. I mean, they're still offering some free parking. But hey, if you want to get out of the traffic, why not pay? It just seems like simple economics to me. I I, I actually have no problem with this. A lot of people would have a problem with that. I mean, some places parking is ridiculous more because of the cost. It's just crazy the amount of cost. But $10 if you're doing some Christmas shopping? I don't know. Paul, would you be willing to pay for parking at? Never in a million <laughs> years. Why 10 not? bucks to find my own parking spot? Just valet it if you're going to do that. Yeah, or you could like Uber or something, but that would probably be even more. Or I could just find my own so, parking so, space. So, <laughs> so your problem, <laughs> well, your problem isn't so much that there's you're paying for parking. You just think if you're going to pay, they should valet it. Well, they already have valet. So if I'm going to pay for parking, why don't I just go and use the valet service? But what if it's just so crazy crowded it would take like an hour to find parking? You still wouldn't be willing to pay? During Christmas time, maybe 10 bucks is a little high for parking at a mall. Um, but outside of that, I, I'm not, I don't think I would. I really don't think I would. Yeah. I mean, I'm usually pretty cheap. So, <laughs> so there's a part of me that says I wouldn't, but I've been, I've been to those malls in some of the crazy times when you're like looking forever and it's just ridiculous. You're going to drive around till you find a place to park. <laughs> That's what you're going to do. I don't know. We've been doing it forever. Just find a place to park. (laughs) All right. I appreciate you all joining me this morning here on Good Morning Orlando. Bud will be back tomorrow. And I'll end the show just like he does. God bless you and God bless America.